This program, of course, is presented by Pro Wrestling Illustrated, the most widely read, widely sold, and respected wrestling magazine in the world today. This is the Pro Wrestling Illustrated Podcast. I'm your host, PWI Senior Writer Al Castle, joined, as always, by my co-host, Brian Solomon. How's it going? Very well, Al. Happy to be here, as always. And once again with us is the boss, Editor-in-Chief of PWI, Kevin McElvaney. How's it going? Good. I'm here. Whether you like it or not, I invited myself back on. (laughs) (laughs) We're on our best behavior. Right. Yes. uh, When the boss is in the office. Uh, and Kevin is is back because we have another uh, big issue to uh, talk about. It is the year in wrestling. I got mine in the mail just the other day. Thankfully, in in good shape. I was talking to Bob Smith on the podcast about that sometimes being the downside of getting a mail to use that you get some some uh, mailmen who aren't as nice with your, uh, your your magazine. But this one is mint. So fantastic. And we have got all the uh, year-end awards and so much more. And we are going to go through all of them um, today. Uh, we could skip the plugs because it's essentially a one big plug. And, and I think in the course of talking about some of these uh, awards, we could hit on uh, some current events. Obviously, big news this week with Seth Rollins, with uh, Okada, and some others. And we'll try to touch uh, on all of it. Uh, first things first, uh, uh, Kevin, uh, Brian, and I were, were talking about this uh, before uh, you jumped on. Um, Always great to see them with the plaques, right? And uh, lots of wrestlers holding plaques inside. Can, can you talk about uh, putting all that together? How how uh, much of a challenge was that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, it is a bit of a challenge in that you have to wait for the voting to reach its natural conclusion, then make arrangements with either the promotion or, in the case of an unsigned wrestler like Matt Cardona, yet you know yet it has to be directly through him. Um, and then the other part of that is that right after the voting wraps up, a lot of the companies are sort of winding down for the year. So there are a couple of instances where we have photos that were taken after press time that we may include in an upcoming issue that we'll, if nothing else, share on social media. Uh, but there's a little bit of a, you know, there's certainly a willingness. Um, I think maybe not as much there for a few years on the on the part of certain companies, but it was, you know, it's definitely there now. And I think, it's seen as uh, like a point of pride and a badge of honor to do it. So the wrestlers themselves are always really happy to get the plaques for the most part. So they're, they're, they're pretty uh, yeah, like more than happy to take the time to pose with it. With, with like a WWE uh, and, and not to peel back the curtain too much, but mm-hmm. the, the logistics of this, do you send the plaques to an arena on the day of a show? Does it go to the office to somebody who then distributes them? It's a little bit of both, and depending on the company, depending on the day, but like in some cases you send them to, uh, yeah, an office and then they'll distribute them based on where everyone's going to be. Uh, and then in other cases, yeah, we've definitely done the arena thing as well. And there was a little bit of both of those, uh, in effect this year where some of them did go out to the arenas and then others were, yeah, sort of at corporate and then they were distributed after that. Yeah, yeah. So fun. And and uh, we've, I guess, already sort of touched on it and, and we can get into it now. A great year for, for WWE. I mean, I don't want to say they they cleaned up because they, they didn't, but they I think it's fair to say they dominated um, the awards. I think it's reflective of what we talked about here 
um, certainly in the last uh, several months, is just a terrific year for WWE in 2023. Um, so let's uh, get into it with, um, well, why don't we start with a big one? Wrestler of the Year. Yeah. Seth Rollins. Um, and I, I think one thing that looks good for us is that, you know, when we did the, the 500, it was kind of like a novel pick, like, really? Seth Rollins? And it aged well. And now some months later, the fans kind of agree that um, he was the guy for this year. So, uh, uh, Brian, when you talk about Seth Rollins uh, 2023, how it started, how it ended up, and, and do you think he was the clear uh, right choice for this? Yeah, I was mildly surprised that he got voted in, but not because I didn't think he deserved it, just because I wasn't sure that the fans were going to see him that way. Because as we've talked about here before, you know, even still now, he's not presented as the number one wrestler in all of WWE, but he has that workhorse reputation. He's the most visible of all of the top level stars that could potentially win this award. And I also want to say too, not to harp on it, but again, to go back to how cool it is that you've got wrestler of the year winner, WWE world champion, and he's holding the plaque and pictured and everything because you know, I I grew up in a time reading the magazine where that would be the frustration is that the, the WWF wrestlers, you know, you never you just expect, oh, they're not going to it's only going to be the WCW guys, which was so frustrating because, you know, they were the most visible wrestlers in the industry. So to see that is such a cool thing. Now, Kevin, next year, we got to make sure we get the red PWI T-shirts on everybody. Yeah. That's the <laughs> next step beyond this. No, but. But no, Seth, Seth had a great year. It's like now looking at the year and everything and how he got that belt and he, you know, they put him on the road, man, and he defended it. I think he's he's already like well surpassed um, uh, um, Roman Reigns title defenses of his entire reign, you know, just by, by virtue of the fact that he's on the road at house shows as the defending champion, like which I think is really to his credit. So I, I think it's a fine choice. I applaud the the readers for picking him. What what I think is so cool also about Seth Rollins and, and makes him such an asset to WWE right now is, you know, we've had these conversations in the last several months um, about these, uh, you know, d d whether it's Will Ospreay or we could talk about uh, Okada and the decision of uh, AEW or WWE where you go, and a lot of it is about, well, where are the the, the best matches? Where are the best workers who are going to give you the best matches? And inevitably, so much of that tends to to kind of go in AEW's favor because um, AEW is so big on work rate. But in Seth, you've got a guy who is at the very, very top of the game, right? So when you talk about the Will Ospreys of the world or the Kenny Omegas or the Okadas, Seth is right there. He is one of, if not the best wrestler in the world right now from a, a work rate standpoint. I and mean, he's a guy world-class who will give you that five-star match. And as you touched on, he is their world heavyweight champion. And, you know, you think about, and when was when they created this title out of whole cloth? It was like May or June or something like that. And at, at the time, it was so kind of like a head scratcher. And it's like, well, are fans going to really buy in to this kind of thing? And it, it goes to that old adage about, you know, your a, a title is only as prestigious as its champion. And I think Seth has done so much to get that world title over where it feels like a world title now, you know, and I think in, in a way Roman is helped by just kind of being, you know, uh, gone off, off of television that he kind of has cleared the field for, for Seth to settle into that spot. 
now I think you know fans totally buy in to him as a world champion, a top guy. And again, on top of that, a guy who's going to deliver those uh, five-star world-class efforts. So when you're talking about, uh, you know, and they lost out on Osprey, but now the conversation is Okada. And you think, well, what can Okada do in AEW? What can Okada do in WWE? Man, I think Okada and Seth Rollins, and I get really excited about that. How about you, Kevin? I think there's a lot of room for Okada wherever he goes. Um, I do have some concerns about him going to WWE in terms of how he might be handled, particularly as a non-native English speaker. He's not going to be cutting his own promos. WWE is very big on people cutting their own promos even today. Um, but uh, that's something actually in the next issue. There's I, I recently re- recorded a conversation with uh, Karen Peterson, who just exhaustively covers New Japan and stardom and a lot of other uh, big promotions over there. But um, we'll get into it a little more in that in the next issue, but I think Okada, certainly from a match standpoint, there's so many options. And I mean, if you can make him and Roman Reigns work at some point, like that's if that like schedule wise, uh, timing wise, I think that's an incredible, I think it's one of the most exciting matches you can put together. And particularly because you have two slightly different, uh, styles, but you have these auras about them. Um, I, I would like to say to Seth's credit that him getting this award you know it's controversial among some um but again it's it is a it is a reader vote and uh more so than in previous years i've seen the response be like when someone starts complaining about what's wrong with pwi very quickly people jump in and like well it's a reader vote why didn't you vote and and that has not necessarily been the case and so i guess we've done a better job of educating people to the fact that it's uh you know in the in the general public or our readers are just being more outspoken on social media about it um but I will say, you know, the the two runners up after that, and I mean, not to take anything from away from Rollins, because he's certainly there based on the quality of his work, but it's also him being, you know, the guy in WWE, partially an absence of, you know, Roman Reigns not being there. Um, but you had Gunther and you had Will Ospreay as the next two runners up. And earlier on in the voting, either one of them were very close to taking it because I was counting these ballots as they came in and you had each of them pulling into the lead at various points. Um increasingly as the voting went on seth rollins keeps getting more and more established as the guy in wwe and then that was sort of the tipping point for him it's like he's he has these great matches and that um so yeah not to pull away from the okada topic because that is something that's important that we should talk about but i i have to you know kind of give credit that rollins uh his cachet as, as as this top wrestler in the industry even, you know, just from a work rate standpoint, got established more and more as the year went on and it was a wrap to a close. Yeah. And have have you noticed this year at all that Dave Meltzer has had to take any of the blame for the PWI awards <laughs> as, as sometimes happens on Twitter? I love when that, I, that's my I, favorite reaction. I, I sort of preempted that a little bit by joking about like leave Dave Meltzer out of this. He is <laughs> he could not have possibly have less to do with it. Um but um, I, and they do I, the I, same rounding out the yeah. uh the the runners up is a I'm sorry. I think I got a bit of a lag. That's why I'm getting it. Uh, oh, you're good. On top of it. Sorry. Uh, so rounding out the runners-up, uh, MJF. Uh, interesting that that Roman didn't even make um, the cut, right? So, which yeah, I have no yeah. problem with. I mean, I, I think it reflects uh, what we've said here. And not the strongest year for Roman, which you wouldn't have thought of early in the year. I mean, especially coming off of WrestleMania where he, he, he won the main event, retained. And then... I don't want to, I mean, it's, it's too much to say it was an afterthought, but I, I do think that 
um, there is maybe some growing resentment about just the guy's never around. And um, even when he is around now, it just feels sort of less sig significant. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think fans um, absolutely got it right here uh, with Seth Rollins. And is this the, is, has he won this award before? Yeah, this is the second time he's won it in his career. So that's, 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 you know, okay. yeah. only a right here for him. We, and, and maybe we're burying the lead here, but but also his future is a little uncertain. Coming off the uh, the Jinder Bahal match um, on Monday, mm -hmm. where I think he tore, tore his meniscus. Is that the, the story? Now it's not necessarily the most. Yeah, so so it's unclear how serious it is. I mean, it's not nothing. Um, and uh, I guess as we're recording this on on Monday, there's an expectation that we'll have. Um, more news uh, tonight. It sounds like there is at least some hope that he could still be there for WrestleMania, maybe pulling him um, off of everything and, until then and just letting him yeah. kind of uh, rest up. B but if he's not, you know, we've talked about how much WrestleMania's kind of been in flux. This would be, you know, a a another twist. It, in a way, you know, I don't want to call it a blessing, but 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 maybe it it clears the way uh, more for a, a Cody Rhodes if the rock is in right and we've got rock and Roman Reigns and you had to do Seth and and Punk because it was the, the natural match and then the guy kind of out in the cold was Cody Rhodes does if Seth is out of that mix now um does it introduce a new spot to put Cody in you know is it is it Cody versus Punk for the vacant championship um you know, any any thoughts on what this can mean for, for WrestleMania, Brian? Well, I think the Cody versus Punk thing, they already seem to sort of be teasing a little bit where now they're going to have them interacting for the first time since Punk came back to WWE. There's that unspoken, you know, AEW connection between the two of them and, and some fans knowing about the rumor, at least, that Punk's arrival was one of the things that inspired Cody to leave. You know, I mean, without without spelling all those things out, WWE is really good at sort of alluding to things. I mean, it, it is definitely, it seems to be something they may already even be considering, which is which is crazy. I think the, th the thing with Seth is that's the downside, unfortunately, of having a workhorse champion who's out there on the road wrestling every yep. single night and doing four or five matches a week or whatever it is that he's been doing three, four matches. This is what can happen. Um, and so, you know, that you sort of have to take, take it as part of that package. It's unfortunate, but obviously his health is the most important thing. We know now, you know, that they're a lot more lenient about things like that today, whereas like, you know, they they could potentially keep the belt on him. That's what I'm trying to say with that. It's like in the old days, they would have said, OK, well, the guy can't wrestle, then the title's vacant. But I don't know if that's a given anymore nowadays. They just they tend to sort of um, allow allow the the champion to hold the belt as long as they want them to for the purposes of their creative plans. So I don't think it's a given yet, but it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I think if if he uh, is not if he's not available to defend the title at WrestleMania, I think they'll take it off of him because yeah, they don't want the that, title. Uh, no, absolutely, uh, absolutely. That's that's a worst case scenario. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Hear me um, out. Interim champion. No. God. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and I no. I, I thankfully I don't think that is a a, a term WWE has used even once. Um, so good, please oh, don't. Oh, exactly, exactly. Once they've used it, they had it. Was Did the, they? Uh, 
the, the uh, cruiserweight champion when uh, uh, I'm trying to remember who had it at the time. It might have been JD McDonough, but it was basically they crowned an interim cruiserweight That's champion right. in the US because they couldn't have the NXT UK cruiserweight champion come over. Uh, oh, and, I have no memory uh, of that. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. I, I yeah. It did not yeah. last very long and they, they didn't go back to the well. It was just that one time. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about uh, uh, next award. Um, and so the year we're going backwards here. Uh, mm-hmm. Woman of the year. Again, I mean, I think it was a gimme. Rhea Ripley, um, you know, what could we say that we haven't said about Rhea? She had a fantastic year. I will note, um, you know, not to throw water on the whole thing. Uh, her, after winning the 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 world title at WrestleMania, she, she's a, a yeah. present. She's a star. She's a, a blast to watch. She hasn't had a, a wealth of uh, uh, big matches, big challengers. I mean, they've kind of been putting her in this position almost like squashes, right? You know, that they they feed this these women up to her and she just kind of knocks them down. There hasn't been anybody who's been perceived as any kind of threat to her. Um, I don't know if that's good or bad. I mean, maybe good in the sense that the the idea is to to build her, make her strong for that next challenger, which I would assume is coming at WrestleMania. Yeah. They sort of alluded, uh, the, I shouldn't say they sort of alluded, Rhea sort of alluded, in her uh, hot seat interview with Jason McVay for the women's 250 issue, um, that part of the thing with her being this big dominant heel monster is that she shouldn't be out there defending the title all the time. She's not necessarily going to have these big, you know, thrilling back and forth matches. The whole point of her aura is that she's sort of untouchable. So I, I think that's a style of booking that, you know, I mean, Roman Reigns is partly out of circumstance, but I think they also see some value in in having champions that aren't necessarily defending their title all the time. Um, so I, I do think that's part of it. Despite that, you know, we've talked about on this podcast previously, the three of us and the two of you even more so, uh, that she's just one of the biggest stars in the company this year, arguably the breakout star of the company this year. Uh, she won three different awards, this being the most significant of them because it's you know, just kind of neck and neck with the Wrestler of the Year uh, award, in my view. Um, and then also part of Faction of the Year, and she won another award that we'll, we'll get into. Uh, but Faction of the Year is not a spoiler because we saw that right on the cover. Um, but yeah. but she, yeah, she had a hell of a year. And this was a blowout. I mean, uh, the, the number one. Yeah, not even uh, close. Uh, the first runner-up was 7%. Rhea got 50. So She got yeah. a mandate. So. Yeah. Yes. Yep. I think it's it's interesting because it went the opposite way that wrestler of the year went because like for wrestler of the year, the the biggest male star in wrestling, which I think we could still say is Roman Reigns, he wasn't even really considered because he's uh, instead it went to the wrestler, the top wrestler who's the most visible, who wrestles the most, who has the most defenses. Whereas on the women's side of things, they did pick the wo- the woman who is the biggest star in the business, despite the fact, like you said, Al, that she's not having the most defenses and matches. Like if they went, I'm trying to think of if they chose like the workhorse equivalent of Seth Rollins, who that would even be on the women's side. But um, whoever it is didn't win. It went to the biggest star. Yeah, I'm not even yeah. sure there's a good pick for that, in, you know, on, on the WWE side. I mean, you know, EO Sky is out defending the belt a lot at house shows. But I wouldn't call her that someone in that position. And maybe AEW. Bianca. Yeah, yeah, Bianca. I mean, she also of that, took a I mean, break in the middle of the year. Right? That's true. Off, yeah. 
Honestly, I, I mean, this is my my bias showing a little bit, you know, being a big uh, follower of, of stardom, but I think you could make an argument for someone like Julia. Um, right. I, I, I get, I get why, but I get why she isn't because I mean, it, it's still, you know, even though uh, we've had more coverage in the magazine, you have that promotion getting more attention. It, it doesn't have um, quite even, you know, even among our readers, it's, it doesn't, you know, I mean, certainly Julia was getting votes. Other people from stardom were getting votes, but they haven't clicked in that same sense where they're being considered for these overall honors in the same way. So I, I yeah, I can't really yeah. think of someone else who would be um, in that spot. Do, do you think we see Julia in, in the rumble? And if she is, um, what if anything is the reaction? I mean, I, in, in a way I think it would be the, the wrong thing to do because I don't think Julia is the kind of person you could just introduce and expect to pop. I think you got to tell the no, story. No, no, no introduction she would get a reaction but not not the reaction okada gets who, who whose reputation has been a bit more established uh and who's been around longer certainly um but also julia will not be in the rumble because she's still under contract with stardom until i think the end of march there's right? speculation that maybe okada even though his contract is not up until the end of the month he has a few dates with new japan in as a as a quote-unquote freelancer in february so there could feasibly be some kind of uh, agreement where he could appear. I really don't see Julia doing it. And like, as you said, I don't think it's the right spot to uh, debut. Yeah. In anyway. Julia might be a good uh, uh, raw after WrestleMania introduction, that kind of thing. Um, you know, yeah, she could be yeah. whoever. The, yeah. The- Although I do suspect she goes to NXT for a while. Um, yeah. Uh, right. Well, we brought it up, uh, 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 Brian. I'm sorry if, if I'm a little off, but I'm getting a little laggy here. So, uh, oh, yeah. uh, but uh, Okada, uh, your thoughts on him officially being uh, a free agent uh, soon? Where does he uh, end up? Sort of like the Will Osprey thing. I mean, there's obviously factors other than who's going to pay the most, where you can have the most notoriety, or who's going to have the best matches. There's um, a guy who is from a different part of, of the world who. Um, I don't know if the talk is whether he would be moving here uh, or not, but um, like with Will Ospreay, I'd be a lot more um, curious about what it looks like in, in WWE. I think we know what Okada looks like in AEW. We've seen it, um, and he'll have a ton of great matches there, but I'm really curious about you know, how WWE would, um, would, would book him, would introduce him. I think you've got to tell the story um, whether it's true or not, that he's the greatest wrestler in Japanese history, right? That the, the greatest wrestler uh, J- Japan's ever produced. And again, even if you got a, if, if it's not necessarily the truth, I think that's the story that you tell. And that's a strong suit of WWE in comparison to AEW. See, it's interesting because we always agree when we have these discussions, like, okay, where's the place where he'd probably have the better matches with better opponents? Probably AEW. Uh, like Osprey, but where's the place where they would make him feel like a bigger star and educate fans as to who he is better? And that's WWE, I feel like. You know, there's this thing in AEW where they, I think, sometimes have too much confidence in the fans, and a lot of people have talked about this, where they'll be so excited to bring out this brand new star and they'll just assume everybody's already on board, like, oh, look who it is! You know what I mean? And with WWE, they're much more careful and cautious to do that. But having said that, there have been classic examples. I think AJ Styles is the greatest example of them all, where he came out cold and it was a Royal Rumble. And man, the roof went off the place. And there's a guy who, for all intents and purposes, other than dark matches and crap, had never set foot 
in a WWE ring. And, but I feel like that's the exception. I think he also had the benefit of being in an American promotion. I think, especially at the time, even what was this like 10 years ago at that time, I feel like TNA and with their history and everything definitely had more of a, of a, a following in the U S than new Japan would have. Uh, But I, I think that, you know, there's benefits to him going to either place. And I will say we can't just act like the AEW of right now today, January, 2024 is the same as even January, 2023 or 22. You know, it's a product that just feels stagnant. And I think the appeal to be there is less and less like what we saw happen with happening right now with, Sasha Banks, where the impression or Mercedes uh, Monet, the impression I get, it's just a feeling I get from reading about the negotiations is that she really, really would prefer to make a WWE return. But if Tony Khan is going to throw an obscene amount of money at her, she's going to go there, you know? So, so it's, it's the dynamics are changing is what I'm trying to say. And, and I could see benefits to him going to both places. And, and that's why I, I think um, part of, uh, you know, how this works out, you know, we're putting the decision in, in Okada's hands and, and ultimately it, it's going to be uh, his decision. But I also think a, a huge factor is how strong a play does WWE make for him? Do, do they go all in, give him top, top guy money and say, this is one of the biggest stars in wrestling, one of the biggest free agents that we can possibly sign? Um, you know, let's give him the star treatment or more what I would expect from a Vince McMahon um, be like, nah, most people don't even know who this guy is. You know, Mr. McMahon probably never watched a, a New Japan show in the last, you know, 30 years or what have you, has no idea who he is. Think, well, here's a guy who doesn't speak English who mo- most American fans haven't seen, you know, you could offer him something, but but let's get serious. He, he's not worth that much. So I do think that to some extent the ball is going to be in WWE's court. How how much of a play do they make for him? Well, people people could point to the example of Nakamura, and that's a natural comparison to make. With which the the story always was Vince never got him. Vince never understood what the big deal was with this guy, and and he probably had people in his ear saying, "No, this guy is a big deal." Uh, but I do think, in fairness, that Okada. You know, Nakamura is a very unconventional wrestler in his working style, in his look, everything about him, very unconventional from an American point of view. I feel like Okada is more of of what an American company would look at as a conventional top star in his look, in his work. And he just has that vibe. And that's not to knock Nakamura that I think gives him a better chance at success than Nakamura in in a major American company. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Okada no. has a lot of showmanship. I mean, I don't know if you saw his entrance at, at Wrestle Kingdom with mm-hmm. the uh, the neon light that changed his gear. I thought that was so cool. I mean, I bet you WWE was kicking themselves for for not coming up with something like that. So, I mean, the whole Rainmaker thing, the the money raining down on fans, that guy's a star, star, yeah. star, star. And if anything, you know, the, uh, again, there, I think there's some uh, fans that will dismiss, big, well, he's going to go in there, he's going to do technical stuff. That's really not uh, Okada. I mean, Okada is about telling mm-hmm. stories and drama in the ring. The selling in that match with Danielson was so amazing, the, the selling of his arm. Um, I, th- yeah. I I really think the only issue is the language barrier. And I've got a crazy idea here that I thought of yesterday. Uh, and, and tell me if you're with me. Jim Cornette. <laughs> no. No way in hell. No. 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 
I'm thinking like, well, great. But then he'd have to be managers. Uh, but then Okada no, would have to be a heel, though. Do you really see him as? A yeah, heel? yeah, yeah. Does no, 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 no heel Okada. I don't know. Let's be honest. Cornette has said some really dicey things about uh, Japanese wrestlers in recent years. I don't trust it. So, like, that's and like, sorry, he did. It's on record. Um, but he, yeah, the idea of a mouthpiece is not a bad idea overall. I, I, I don't disagree with that. So I think that is a solution. Um, Certainly, as you said, he, I think he fits very well into the WWE style. I mean, he's he's the king of New Japan. I mean, he's but at the same time, he very much gets this main event making the most out of like he's not out there. I mean, this is not to minimize. He definitely does some very physical stuff, but he's out there primarily um to the extent where like purists of new Japan even say like, Oh, Okada's like kind of coasting. Like he's just, he just goes out there and is super charismatic and then hits his big moves. And like, yeah, that's fine. That works perfectly. <laughs> that's like, right. especially like, at his age. I mean, he's yeah, not, in his you know, late third entering his late thirties. Exactly. Right, right. It makes a lot of sense. Um, I will say one concern and you alluded to it earlier Al, but um, is the idea of whether or not he in WWE, he almost certainly has to live in the U S um, all, all wrestling has been more, uh, flexible on that while Osprey continues to live in the UK. Um, there, the buzz is that uh, supposedly Tony Khan would be fine with Okada living in Japan and then kind of moving back and forth. Logistically, that of course presents a lot of challenges, but you know, you have certain things like uh, Okada's wife is a big celebrity over in Japan, better known than he is. Um, you know, they have a child, right. a young child. So, granted, I mean, maybe if you're going to move, this is the time. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of concerns apart from maybe just money. Um, but I, I think there are arguments to be made in either case. I honestly, I was so shocked that the announcement came in advance that he was leaving because I fully expected him to re up with the company with New Japan giving him just a big fat contract. Um, but I guess you know his priorities are elsewhere at the time, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, if I if if I had to put money on it, I would expect AEW uh, is going to be the favorite, but. Uh, just because I'd love to see what it looks like, I, I, I hope he gives. Um, WWE. I, I actually think WWE is, but well, we could go on all day. But yeah. I, I think there's a good chance you'll get to see what you want. We'll, we'll, and this we'll is the discussion of our woman of the year. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, it's very typical of, of pro wrestling <laughs> is that, like, that, yeah, during the women's match, we're talking about. Yeah, uh, I, and and just to round out the um, the runners up, uh, Tony Storm, and again, it it was a blowout. Tony Storm comes in um, first runner up at seven percent. Uh, Bianca at six and Athena. I'm happy to see Athena get some love at five percent. You talked about uh, workhorses. If ever there was a workhorse, uh, she is it. Um, I don't think we got to spend that much time on on faction of the year as we touched on. It is uh, the Judgment Day. They get forty eight percent of the vote. Um, I think it's it's very much the right call. Also, uh, Blackpool Combat Club at sixteen. Bullet Club Gold at six. Um, I'm sorry, Bloodline uh, at eleven. Uh, you know, early in the year, you would have thought Bloodline had this wrapped up, um, and then really kind of fell apart. And and judgment design too. Wrong. Yeah. Um, a, a, a real quick, you know, uh, O'Brien, are, are you still enjoying uh, Judgment Day? They get a, a crap ton of television time. So, um, for for as much as uh, TV time that they get, like they they better be over. And then also, I guess part of the the discussion is, are they making the right moves now with Judgment Day? They, got jd mcdonough who is sort of this junior member who you know he's not even on the shirts or anything like that he's like uh the the 
uh, 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 Michael Wall Street of the NWO. Most <laughs> remember that that kind of thing. It's sort of like you know NWO black and white sort of thing. Um, and now the R Truth stuff, which is it's getting over pretty well, you know, yeah. from a comedy standpoint. But you always got to be careful with like a, a faction that's got so much sort of cred, you know, dipping into the comedy stuff. Truth's really good at it. Um, so I don't know that I'm complaining, but it's like. You know, it, it's such a good act that, like, I, I do want them to be very careful. Yeah, it does break up it, monotony a little bit of the bloodline of just, you know, it used to feel like uh, it's WWE's just the bloodline show. However, now it is feeling like WWE is the Judgment Day show. But at least it, it gives the impression to fans, though, that these factions and groups are something to be taken seriously, that anybody can break through. Because if you remember, like when the Judgment Day started, I don't know, I mean, maybe this is just subjective from my point of view. When they first started, I was skeptical. It was just like, oh, here's another angry group of mid-carters that says they're going to take over WWE and they're going to become the dominant group, blah, blah, blah. But they actually did. So from, from a creative standpoint, I think that's solid and it's good storytelling because it gives fans that impression that when you see these groups come together, anything could happen. Like, you know, you can make fun of any group you want. Like we, we saw that now they have the new Testament or whatever, the final Testament. And you think like, Oh, here we go again. It's the AOP and this guy and carrying cross. But then if you're a fan, maybe in the back of your head, you're thinking like, well, wait a minute, this could be the next judgment day. This could be the next bloodline. It can happen. That said, they got a, WWE needs to learn how to spread things out a little bit more. It's like they have this attitude where they're like, oh, this is working. Okay, let's make it the whole show. Just build the whole show around yeah. it. Okay. <laughs> uh, and and that may not be the always the best thing to do. Hmm. Yeah. I wonder if yeah, our yeah, truth I sort agree. of oh, there's that lag again. I wonder if sorry. Yeah, again. I, I wonder sorry. if our, our truth sort of becomes the uh Sami Zayn in this case where it turns a little more serious. I, I it's, I know that seems really strange to say he's been playing a comedy act for so many Forever. years, he, but he's fun. I, I mean, and again, I mean, he's, he's been, he's, he was sidelined by injury for a while. I don't know how much he can still do what he could do before, but he is fundamentally a very good in-ring worker. Who's done good, serious stuff in the past. I, yeah. who knows? Well, I, he I, was I, a top guy in TNA. I mean, they put the, he, belt yeah, on. he sure was. He was NWA yeah. world champ. Yeah. 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 And, and, and you're right. I mean, eventually there's gotta be some kind of payoff. Yeah, uh, that could be serious. I'm, yeah, I'm here for it. I mean, like, well, I think our truth getting a, a a big angle with Judgment Day could be a lot of fun. Well, the payoff that I feel is like they seem to be showing that Damian Priest has a soft spot for him and kind of likes him, and you know he's grown on him, and so maybe it's a sort of a leverage move to create a rift in the group, or maybe or have Priest go babyface and leave. Who knows? You know. It does feel like they they are going somewhere with it. It's not just aimless comedy. I just don't. I don't see him becoming the Sami Zayn of Judgment Day. <laughs> I feel like, especially at his age and the way fans view him, I feel like he's sort of like a tool that's going to be used to do something else with the group that doesn't involve making our truth into a serious top sure. guy. And there's no that's no disrespect to him or his abilities. No. He's just so entrenched as a comedy guy at this point, whereas Sami Zayn occasionally would do a more serious program. And our truth is very much like. I don't know that you completely want to undo all the stuff you like, like he's valuable in his role as, as yeah. a good comedic performer. Yeah. Uh, tag team of the year goes to FTR. Um, so this is one of the awards that AEW picked up. I mean, I think this was also kind 
of uh, a no-brainer, and uh, they got 37% of the vote. Notably, um, all the, the tag team of the year, the women of the year, and the wrestler of the year were all our number ones in the 500, the women's 250, and the, the tag team 100. So uh, we got it right, uh, it would seem. Uh, on, on one hand, uh, of course, right? I mean, like a, a strong number one. Uh, on the other hand, not the deepest, you know, a year for tag team wrestling. You know, WWE certainly uh, pulled back. Uh, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn were first runner-up, um, and they were, you know, they were their run was what three or four months, uh, something like maybe longer than that. But but uh, by the late summer, early fall, they were already like not a thing anymore. Um, then you got better than you, baby, which was again kind of like this part-time act, and the Usos, which were done by by early in the early in the year. So. Uh, not the strongest year for tag team wrestling, uh, but a a great year for FTR. Right? Yeah, after it seemed like the year before that and pri- prior, it almost seemed like they were getting buried in AEW. They were. It was very frustrating for fans of FTR. It was ironic. It was that era where they were having belts piled on them, and yet they were practically invisible. And, you know, definitely things got better for them. And I think it's cool. It also brings a smile to my face when you know, you see guys like you know those guys are thrilled to get an award like this because this links them to all the great tag teams that they idolize and love and that, you know, that they look up to over the years. It, you know, this that sense of continuity is not lost on them. And, and so it's cool to see them with the plaques and accepting the award um because you know exactly what it means to them and you know i think if there ironically if there was ever if there was any act in modern day wrestling of 2024 that i could see jim Cornette managing it would be ftr just because of that link to the past of of those old tag teams but but it's very gratifying to see uh, guys like that get an award like this it's very cool yeah yeah absolutely uh and and do you want to add uh kevin before we move to batch of the year no, no, no. I mean, Brian, Brian nailed it. Um, I, I, I know for a fact they're very excited uh, to have received the award a second year in a row. It does put them in the some elite company. And honestly, right now, I, I don't. We're very early in the year. I don't see a lot of teams lined up who uh, are set to give them a challenge. You know, they could make it a three-peat three in a row. So yeah, I mean, in WWE. You know, you go back to Judgment Day, but but I don't even really think of them as a tag team so much as uh, as uh, a faction. You know, they're yep. um, who is there? Yeah, you know, um, whoever the 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 next uh, the, the first runner up is, um, and maybe even the second runner up could very well come out of uh, AEW as well. Does it um, mean that match of the year? It, you know, interesting when when we were. Uh, I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say. Do you think Cash? finally forgave us when we forgot him on the PWI 500 that one time. Ah. Does this make up for that? I hope so. I think he, I think he forgave us pretty quick. Okay, good. <laughs> in the moment. Because I felt so bad at the time for the exact reason I just mentioned, because you know yeah. this stuff really matters to those guys. Like, they really are fans of this kind no, of no, thing. No, no, he, I mean, <laughs> apologize publicly, but also, like, uh, I spoke to him. Good, okay, good, yeah, good, good. I think we're good. <laughs> um, Match of the year when we were uh, uh, Brian and I speculating and the last podcast before we knew the the awards, um, I totally forgot about this this match. And I'm thinking WrestleMania big matches, and I was there for for this. I was in the building, and it was probably the best match of the weekend. I'm talking about Rhea Ripley and uh, Charlotte. 
Um, so I don't have a problem with it. I mean, I think it helps that the WrestleMania stage always helps if you, um, if you've got a, a, a four star match, I think it's elevated potentially to five star match by being on, on the WrestleMania stage. Um, they had a terrific, terrific match. Um, you know, my only, uh, you know, and it's nitpicky and, and it, it's why I, I, uh, uh, might've gone with the, the tag team championship match, which didn't even make, um, a runner up. I'll, I'll note was the storyline. And I don't know that the storyline for Charlotte and, and, and Rhea was as strong heading into, um, WrestleMania, but the match itself unquestionably was, was a fantastic match. Do you agree, Brian? Oh, I do. And it wasn't even the first time, in my opinion, that they had that those two women had the best match on a WrestleMania. Because right. I think the the COVID one, 2020, I think, which I think was WrestleMania 36, they also had what I thought was the best match. But it's just worlds apart, though, because the difference between then and now is I think at that time, Rhea just wasn't ready. I mean, mm-hmm. she had a great match with Charlotte Flair. She just wasn't ready to be put in that position yet. And I think even the year after that, where we saw. You know, it was the year that Bianca and Rhea were both crowned on the same WrestleMania. Bianca just went into the stratosphere and Rhea Ripley kind of fizzled out like she just couldn't connect with fans. And boy, has that changed. And so like you revisit it. It's so it's so interesting how wrestling is. You have the same two people on a WrestleMania again, and it's like a whole other level. They still have the best match on the show, arguably. But it's a whole other level. But yeah, this was a great year for matches. I, I not to knock them. I thought it was a great match. But I was this one maybe surprised me the most because I was thinking either FTR versus Bullet Club Gold or um, MJF and Danielson Iron Man match, which I think might have been God. It might be the best match in AEW history, or like right up there with Cody versus Dustin and things like that. But um, this. I mean, I guess it just shows you how many great matches were being held. Uh, it was not, you know, the votes were very widely distributed. I don't, I don't have it in front of me, but was this like maybe the lowest percentage of any winning uh, award winner? Uh, which again speaks to how many great matches there are. I think in yeah. recent years, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's thirteen percent. So yet, I mean, it it, it I mean, that's a small percentage um, dominate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so so uh, first runner up, eleven percent. Another WrestleMania match: Gunther versus Sheamus versus Drew, right. which was just a blast. I mean, yes. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm glad to see you do. I don't know if that'd be first runner up, uh, but it was so much fun. Um, second runner up: Will Ospreay and Kenny Omega from um, Forbidden Door. I gotta say, I don't know. <laughs> I I you know I remember all the hype of, of behind that match, and then uh, I watched it, and it was really good. You know, um, I I don't think it was, you know, yeah. I, I don't think it's nearly as good as a lot of people think. Uh, I think there are other matches better. So actually, it's it's interesting that you say that because that that's the consensus. Uh, if you go on Twitter or Reddit, that the the Wrestle Kingdom match was uh, the superior match, but I think that speaks to uh, j- the visibility of AEW versus New Japan sure. and the yeah. relative the relative decline that new Japan has seen in terms of international, like people are not keeping up with it internationally the way they were domestically. There's, you know, it's starting to pick back up again. Um, you know, I, I think there's a lot to like about it, but certainly it's, it, it does reflect that arguably the better match of the two, um, was, I think it was actually the, the first and like the honorable mention, we don't list, you know, the, the, the order necessarily for those, 
but it was like the the fourth runner up. It was it was fairly close. So I do I I do think another part of that is that probably the vote was split a little bit there. You have that yeah. match, and uh, so it, anyone who is surprised that either one of those matches is not first runner up or winner, I mean that's part of it. Um, but I you know I I, I think. Uh, this yeah. you know, there's and great matches in there, and it comes down to taste so often. You know, it's it's really subjective. True. And and I think I'm glad you brought up visibility because I do think that has a lot to do with it, and, and it probably has a lot to do with WWE doing as well as as they did throughout the awards. Is that there were so many more eyes on them even than on AEW? Because if, if I'm being honest, I mean, I think MJF and and Danielson um, should certainly their third runner up here with eight percent. They should be a lot higher than there, if if not. The yeah. winner of the, the award that I would have had them at least um, at at first runner up, you know, frankly above Gunther, Sheamus, and, and Drew. Um, but if I just need to, you know, a lot more people watched WrestleMania than I wonder too if I wonder if the finish hurt that match at all because it got kind of dumb, at least to me, towards the end with the defibrillator machine and like whatever they were like Danielson going into spasms and. It kind of marred it, and I don't know why they did all that. They didn't need to do that. They were having an unbelievable match. Uh, I wonder if that maybe like a soured mm. the memory of the match for some people. Who knows? Yeah, maybe uh, it's just me. Go, I don't know. Let, let's try to go through the rest of these a, a little more quickly because I got to run in, in a bit. Yeah, Al, come on. Of course, yeah. <laughs> Indie wrestler of the year, uh, Matt Cardona uh, takes it. I've got no problem with that. Other than I've got to say, I don't know if this is sort of in keeping with the spirit of, of indie wrestler, because I think, you know, I almost think of Matt Cardona as an indie wrestler. And we talk about this all the time, the way like the honky tonk man was, was an indie wrestler for, for a long time. And I know he's really kind of made um, his, his career as like this dominant independent wrestler. But, but you know, I sort of think of like wrestlers on the come up, wrestlers who are yet to be discovered somewhere between rookie of the year and um you know i don't know most improved and uh, uh cardona is a veteran at this point who sort of you know settled in, in in the second half of his career in in the uh the independence um so i'm fine with it um you know i think that the the rest of the runners up are more in keeping i think with what the idea would be you've got steph delander at seven percent um ali catch at six and brian keith at five and that's more like you know your names to look out for kind of thing yeah well yeah i was so my thought with that is i think it speaks to uh people viewing the independence as their own entity but also matt cardona just being so dominant and holding multiple championships yeah. and you know being the big draw at all these shows he goes to i mean he certainly you compared him to the honky tonk man and i understand that because he's a legacy act he's someone who's already established um but he's certainly not I mean, no disrespect to the honky tonk man, but he's not, he's not coasting on his reputation either. He's certainly like continually working to, uh, to outdo himself and challenge himself. And he traveled internationally to Japan this year and, uh, you know, credit to him. But I, I mean, I even put a call out on the, the PWI official Twitter account to like, Hey, independent wrestlers, like knock this guy off the perch. Like yeah. we get why he's sweeping this, but like, if this is your category, this is your chance to be seen on a greater, you know, and you have Brian Keith, the third runner up. He's, he's, I mean, he's on some kind of deal now with AEW or ROH. I'm not speaking with any inside knowledge. It's just apparent because he's being booked by them so often. And he's on television. It, that doesn't happen unless someone has some tier of deal. So, uh, you know, this, this can be a stepping stone to greater things. 
Yeah, and I think it speaks to how successful that he's been doing this, yeah. that there would even be a question in your mind, Al, as to whether he deserves it or not, because he's he's been so successful that he's almost transcended the negative connotation yeah. of what it means to be an indie wrestler. Like, to me... And that's sort of the problem, because un under that thinking... I'm sorry, <laughs> we're on top of each other. Uh, uh, but I was just going to say, uh, uh, you know, he could conceivably win this award every year. Right. And, and and he would deserve it. If he deserves it, he should win it because see, I, I disagree with that really strongly because to me, Cardona represents the absolute epitome of what you can attain as an independent unsigned wrestler. Like he is mm -hmm. like the, the roadmap. I mean, he is the success story and just because he's not getting paid in, you know, coffee and donuts and hot dogs, we shouldn't hold that against him. I mean, the guy has really made it work. He's the definition. When you talk about pro, oh, pro wrestlers are independent contractors, which so often is BS nonsense in the modern sense. But but guys like Cardona make it work. They show how you can hustle as an independent wrestler and be, you know, uh, not need to have a day job and be successful and make good money and not have to be beholden to any one company. He's the definition to me of, of independent wrestler. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and some talk, I've heard some rumbling too about him, you know, potentially showing up at the Royal rumble. I, I don't see it happening. I don't, I, I don't think it would be good for him. And I don't think, um, you know, frankly, he'd mean all that much to WWE. So I think best. Well, if he did that, I mean, I, I mean, you never know. I'm sure with someone, it might be something he'd be interested in doing. But if if he did do that, it, he would have to accept the fact that he would just they would make sure that he went right back to being just unremarkable mid Carter Zack Ryder. I mean, he would yeah. be right back where he left off. I don't think he, they would bring him in as some major star. He would just be Bigger. right back to the spot he was when he left that company, and that might be a short sighted thing for him to do. Right, I agree. Um, feud of the year, um, you know, when you look at, at the, the various runners up, you see not necessarily the strongest year in terms of feuds, except for, for the winner, uh, uh Sami Zayn and, uh, the bloodline, which again, I think is, is, uh, I'm, I'm glad to see that fans have, um, a memory because this was an all time great storyline. I mean, you think about, you know, we're, we're coming up on the, the one year anniversary, of uh, the Royal Rumble and that incredible moment where where he turns on the bloodline and how you know the, the the place just exploded, and that led you know into Montreal and Elimination Chamber and then into WrestleMania with um, you know a tag team title match headlining uh, a night of WrestleMania. Um, you know what can I say? Fans absolutely got this right. Yes, uh, and I and we talk about the recency bias and problems with that, and and that like you said that was not the case here. This was something from earlier in the year that people remembered. I also think, and correct me if I'm wrong here, because a lot of times as I get older, everything bleeds <laughs> together. But, <laughs> excuse me, CM Punk and MJF was 2023 also. Was it not early in the year, 2023, going on? Because that, to me, no. that might have been, even though it was sort of, it fell off the rails and everything, storytelling-wise, that's been like my favorite AEW angle and feud. I mean, that was like on it Fire. wasn't this year, I don't think. It right? wasn't, because right? It, it was it, late 2022. Because Brawl Out. Yeah, Brawl Out. End of 2022. So we didn't oh, see right. Punk until uh, whatever, right. midpoint of, of this year when he came back. So he was 
No, you're right. Or, I think that suspended the the first several months of the right. Year. Never mind. That was a 2022 thing. But again, yeah. it, God, everything's moving so quickly. <laughs> uh, well, you know. But, well, you know what, Brian? I mean, like the seeds for the the Sammy Dan Bloodline stuff were planted around that same time, like not long after that. Yeah. At all. No, but I mean, but I'm not yeah. trying to take away from that. I do think that's a yeah. very worthy and deserving, and certainly in the time frame of 2023, that's got to be it, right? I mean, that was uh, that was as hot as can be. No question yeah. about it. It was the hottest storyline that WWE has had in ages. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, Punk is in, in the mix in the first runner up. And I don't buy this, you know, CM Punk versus AEW to me. Uh, again, that, that, that's not really the, the spirit of, of what this is um, meant to. Uh, right. Award. That's kind of uh, inside baseball for me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cody Rhodes versus Brock Lesnar was fine. I mean, they had, I, th I think, a feud in, in the, a different respect, which was a series of matches, and they were all um, pretty good. Um, and then uh, I'm happy to see Becky Lynch and Trish Stratus. You know, Trish, one of kind of the forgotten stories of, of 2023, but, you know, I remember watching WrestleMania, and she was part of, like, that Legends uh, six-woman tag match, and I was thinking she was going to look the worst of of everyone because Lita had been more active um, than, than um, she had. And Trish looked great at WrestleMania and then had this, this run, this several month run where she was really good, really good on the mic, really good in the ring. I mean, it, it was like peak Trish Stratus. Um, and is she 50, uh, close to 50? I mean, um, just looking great. Yeah. yeah. And it's 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 interesting too because today's uh, as we record this PWI weekly, uh, the vault item is a copy of an old wrestler inside wrestling magazine uh, that I, I found while cleaning up around the office that was autographed out to Stu and the staff, um, and it had her on the cover and inside it had the Legends Q and A. At this point, she was already a few years removed from her active ring career, and this is you know again back when the wrestler inside wrestling was still around, which was a decade ago you know, more than a decade ago now. Uh, and it's, you know, testament to her that, you know, at that point she was a legacy act looking back on her career. And then 10 years later comes back and has, you know, this great run um, just turned 48 by the way. So yeah, close to, close to 50, but she, she had a, a good run. She was, I, I off the top of my head, I'm working on the next issue. I don't remember if she ended up in one of the official runner up spots for comeback of the year, but she was certainly in the mix for that as well. So, you know, fans, were recognizing uh her her contributions and you know good for her i'm glad that she got out there to show she can still go and you know in tremendous shape of course as she's always been and uh kind of showed what she could do to a new audience who maybe at best were familiar with you know retrospective stuff involving her it was yeah. very impressive to me i didn't see it coming i really because it yeah. she felt in a lot of ways and this isn't a comment on her age, but just in how far the company has advanced, she felt like ancient history, honestly, mm -hmm. like that whole era did. And um, I remember they brought her back a few years ago for like a one shot, wasn't it, where she had a match Charlotte. with Charlotte. Mm -hmm. And at that time, I remember thinking like, oh, don't do this. Like she's just she just doesn't even look like she can still hang anymore. Like, why are they doing this? Um, but boy, was I proven wrong because she was like in the mix this year, last year. She, she wasn't a nostalgia act. She wasn't coming out there. Like she was like the female equivalent of what they did with edge. In my opinion, like she was in the mix. She was a legend of the past, a hall of famer who wasn't just going to be like, Oh, I'm an old timer taking a bow. Like, no, I am, I am in this. And yeah, she had an amazing year. Yeah. 
uh, most hated wrestler of the year goes to this is another no brainer for me. Dominic Mysterio. It's some of the loudest boos uh, yeah. I've, I've ever heard. He got more than half of the vote, fifty two percent. I don't know that we would have saw this coming uh, a year ago. I think he's doing great work. Another uh, 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 ingredient in uh, Judgment Day being such a hot act, and you know, beyond sort of the novelty of he's like annoying and he's he's a pest. I wonder if you do something with this, right? I mean, when you get a guy who is this over as a heel, um, is it is it crazy to think about putting the, a world title on him, or at least him being in a world uh, title program if he can maintain this level of heat? Well, first of all, I think the award should have been split between Tom and Nick Mysterio, but it's still, <laughs> you know, I'll take it. No, but he's a rare kind of talent, and you're right that I think that's something you want to run with because – it's very rare to have somebody like him where uh, a modern day audience can still get so emotional and heated up over a heel. Um, I feel like in a lot of ways, I know there's a lot of fans that don't want to hear this, but he, he overtook in a lot of ways MJF. And this is even back when MJF was still a bona fide heel as the genuinely most hated person in wrestling, you know, which I did not see coming at all. And I think the big difference is like with MJF as great as he is, and especially as a heel, uh, it was always like, we're laughing with you. Like, we think you're really cool. And, oh, you made fun of our town. Oh, that's great. We love you. Uh, you know, keep doing that. Whereas with Dominic, it was just like, will somebody just break this guy? Like, we can't. We don't even want to <laughs> listen to him. We don't want to listen to him, but we're not going to change the channel. It's not the X-Pac, you know, Eric Bischoff heat. It's like, we, we that's rare. Yeah. That's rare to find. Yeah. 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 I mean, I. I I, I think he was a, a good heel in, in every sense of the word. And, you know, you, you, you trace this back to the, the earliest, um, you know, root of discussion of uh, Ray versus his son when Dominic first debuted. And remember when, when there were the earliest teases and people thought like, oh, that's kind of a bad taste, the father versus son. And you talk about a success. I mean, like they, yeah. they, they made this guy's career off of that. Um, and it, it just couldn't have gone any better. And it's cool. I imagine, you know, Ray's got to be super proud of his kid for for getting as as over as he has. Um, the 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 rest of the uh, the runners up, Christian Cage, doing fantastic work, and no no qualms there. Um, the, the one place we see Roman Reigns show up in second runner up, seven percent, and then CM Punk at at six percent. So again, you know, that's uh, um, if you took that vote, I guess a different time of the year. If you took it right now, he he would not be most uh, hated. Um, most popular rest of the year uh, again, Cody Rhodes. You know, another sign WWE just do, doing things right. Their top heel is the most hated wrestler of the year. Their top babyface is the most popular wrestler of the year. What more can you ask for? I mean, they, they they're they're getting it exactly right, um, and they also have um, a strong first runner up. I mean, it's a very one- close one percentage point uh, difference in uh, LA night. Who would have saw that coming? I mean, it, it is yeah. the crazy year for WWE MJF at second runner up at uh, 9% and Sami Zayn at, at 6%. So WWE showing up really strong here. Um, and you know, it, 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 to sort of further complicate thing had heading into WrestleMania, your top baby face is really, really, really over. People want to see him go all the way, win the world title. But there's this other guy, Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, one of the biggest movie stars in the world. And and it's the one thing that could maybe derail um, his story. So um, any thoughts on how popular uh, uh, Cody is? 
Well, I mean, he's really popular. I mean, <laughs> if anything, again, I'm I'm going to just keep hammering it forever. This is yet another sign that they made the wrong move last year at WrestleMania. I mean, uh, how much better would he have looked in that picture with the with the plaque and the universal title? You know what I mean? Um it's just I mean, but again, they're always going to say, "Oh, well, the all the more reason to keep him chasing the belt and all this stuff." And it's like, "Okay, great." Like the, the continuous delusion that that's the only way to do it. Meanwhile, never mind the fact that WWE never historically has, has booked that way. You know, it just feels more and more to me like, you know, uh, Charlie Brown and the football and Lucy, you know, yeah. like, oh, this is going to be it. You're going to finish the story. And I hate to always turn it into that. But yeah, I mean, clearly he's the, the he's the top baby face, although it's interesting now with cm punk in the mix like does that change things is yeah. who really who really is the top baby face now i think that's in question between the two of those guys although like i, I said a couple of weeks ago i do think if push comes to shove that the fan base will choose cody in that scenario yeah i agree yeah, i yeah. think so too maybe we see it sooner than later inspiration wrestler of the year uh, uh mark briscoe uh, another award i guess for aw or, or for ring of honor in this matter um you know tragic circumstances by which he he comes um to this uh but if if there was something um you know kind of a a, a i don't want to say happy ending but it was just such an awful story earlier in the year with the passing of jay briscoe but it sort of cleared the way for for this guy who's been working really hard for a long long time they both were and um you know it, and and i i believe it was jay that that had had said the things that kind of got you know, the Briscoes banned from television and, and Mark kind of had to like uh, carry some of that baggage. Uh, but there was so much goodwill toward him, his family after the tragedy that it sort of cleared yeah. the way for, for Mark Briscoe to show what, what he can do. And fans got behind him in, in a real big way. And that was nice to see. It's also cool too. If you, if you, if, uh, and I mean, not to use this as a plug for the digital edition, cause I'm, I'm not trying to do that, but if you have the digital edition, uh, the little play button on there, you know, a lot of times it'll link to different matches from people, promos, things like that. In this case, it's actually a little video that AEW uh, filmed for us, and it's Mark Briscoe accepting his award and talking about what right. it means to be voted most inspirational wrestler. And he's just, uh, God, what a what a lovable man and someone everyone is rooting for. And I think, you know, even in as much as Jay was controversial at certain points in his career, I think. Um, by the end of his time on earth and then which was so sadly premature and then afterwards i mean people just look at these are two you know generational performers as tag team wrestlers and you know kind of universally beloved so um it's good that jay's legacy is secure and then mark is you know still out there doing what he loves it's it's really great to see yeah uh, I'm going to have to fly through these because I got to run. Uh, uh, so uh, the runners up, Cody Rhodes, uh, Richard Holiday, and uh, Mickey James. No problem with any of those. Comeback of the year is a really interesting one. And and I'm guessing if if uh, voting was open a little bit later, it would have been a lot uh, different. Uh, Trinity gets it. And, um, you know, if if you, you, you stopped voting um, right before the last match at Survivor Series uh, this year, I, I, I would say this was the right decision. Um, but, uh, obviously you had Randy and, and CM Punk coming back. So I would think if we took this voting at different time, things would, would be different. Yeah. Most of but the ballots were made by them. 
Yeah, but but Trinity was, um, yeah, I think she was a nice boost for 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 what was then Impact. I think she made a difference. It looks like her time is over uh, there. You know, we talk about somebody who could show up in the the Rumble. Uh, sounds like she'd very much be a possibility, and I do think that'd be a good way to introduce her because fans do know um, who she is. Um, yeah. Maybe this is a, a, a opportunity to to quickly touch on the return of TNA. The, uh, uh, I watched Hard to Kill. Enjoyed the heck out of it. Um, uh, you know, I, I think it's, uh, Nick Nemeth is a good pickup. I think he's, um, a guy that could headline, um, for them. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I have much more to say other than like, yeah, I think they got a good thing going on a real major league looking um, show too. They've talked about like upping that production value. And I think that very much was on display at hard to kill. Yeah. It looked great. Absolutely. Um, and, and I know originally we plan to talk more about it, um, it, it's i'll spare brian i was about to suggest that maybe brian and i can uh continue on al i know you have you can't absolutely well, but, but i'd be up for it i don't mind okay yeah so let's that? let's hope yeah because i don't want to cut um, uh, yep. these other sports whether it's most improved or uh rookie or the western awards in, in particular I'd, I'd love to go more into that I, honestly al if you if you want to brian you want to shift over into the hosting chair we can we can talk about this uh Okay, yeah, sure. Um, it's a little unconventional, but let's do yeah, it. Yeah, I think the first time I'm not going to be on, on the podcast, but it's fine. I'm sorry, <laughs> uh, I got to run. Okay. All right, All right. Brian. Brian, good All to right. see you. Good to um, see you too, Captain. Now we can talk we about Al. Yeah, yeah. Before we continue on with this, I just want to quickly acknowledge with the inspirational wrestler uh, category um, uh, that that's always an interesting mix because it's personal and uh, professional circumstances because you had Cody Rhodes as a runner-up there. That's largely professional. You know, people want to see him succeed. Um, but then you had Richard Holiday as a runner-up. And in his case, you know, he, he of course, had a stage four lymphoma. And then he came back from that. Um, and he's, you know, back in the mix and in great shape. So it's uh, it was it was good to see that. And then you have Mickey James. And that's, again, partly professional, like her last rodeo storyline, which is wrapping up early last year. Um, but also people just love her as, like, an advocate for women's wrestling. And... She has got some new things going on with that. So I just wanted to quickly acknowledge that since we did have to rush through that a little bit there. Um, Agreed. I yeah. So, I mean, this comeback of the year thing, the, the, I, our, the first runner up on that, uh, it was, and it was very close voting again, was Soraya. Um, I don't know. What do you think about that? That's because that's, it was, it was close. Um, do you think some of the, some of the timing of when this uh, award was voted upon I also uh, think it might be, though, I think you're being kind because it could be even a judgment call on people saying that they thought that her comeback wasn't what they hoped it would have been. You know, I think she could have potentially been comeback of the year, but I think people felt like, oh, OK, that maybe that wasn't handled the best way or maybe, you know, uh, I don't know, because I, I, I feel like on paper you would think yes. Well, yeah. But in the execution of it, I could see how it how even Trinity would get the nod over her in the sense that they built look tna for a limited time there they built their women's division around her i mean that really was she swooped in and she became their top did, yeah i think no i'm talking about in the case of trinity she came in and they built their women's division around her and that's but that's what i mean i don't think aew did that for soraya i think if they had i could have seen her getting uh more votes and things there and i also think i know we talk about the cutoff point for the votes and maybe there's a case to be made for 
moving the issue later or something so you can account for the last couple of months of the year. But I still don't know, and maybe I'm naive, if Punk would have won that because not that it wasn't an incredible moment, but there could also be a little fatigue there. I mean, he just won comeback of the year, didn't he, when he came back yeah. to AEW? And now it's like, oh, he's back again somewhere else. Uh, come back again two years later. Like, I don't know if that would have been a given. I think maybe Randy Orton might have even been more likely to win that than Punk. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. Um, and, and, you know, you have someone else who was in the mix, I believe, for comeback of the year when he uh, uh, appeared in AEW. And then again, now after being injured, Adam Cole is the second runner up. And then uh, Trish Stratus was third, uh, third runner up for comeback of the year, which, again, I think like the three of us agreed. You know, she she uh, should be recognized for that because she really did. You know, she could have come in and done the, the quick victory lap, but she she really put in the effort to do more than that. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Um, so continuing back through the magazine, we have most improved wrestler of the year. So this was this was the one I alluded to being, I think, one of the more controversial picks last time uh, when we were talking about this on the podcast. And that's L.A. Knight taking almost a third of the vote. It's most improved wrestler, 21 year veteran. Brian, you wrote about him in a recent yes. edition of the lockup talking about how basically he's, he's not really improved at all. He's just doing the same thing he's been doing, but he's being allowed to do it at a higher level. Right. And, but, and, and having said that though, I have to say that I, I don't have an issue with that. Exactly what you described there being factored in for oh, sure. most improved. Cause I think, even from, for, I think it happens a lot with this award. And I think, especially from a storyline point of view, if we're looking at it uh, in kayfabe, where we don't acknowledge the puppet strings and things like that, you see a guy who was a non-entity in 2022 and in 2023 is one of the top stars in the biggest company in the world. And you say, wow, that guy's really improved. And, you know, he's, he's beating a lot of top people and he's, you know, in a, in a more pronounced position. So I could see that. Uh, and like I said, there's a ton of precedent for it because the fact is in a business where, you know, your destiny is, is chosen for you, um, that is a big enabler to getting somebody to appear to be more improved because they're winning more matches and they're, they're winning titles and things. And, it's other if we take that out of the equation it's a lot harder to judge you know it becomes much more subjective and kind of ephemeral like okay well i guess they're better in the ring than they were before like that's a little bit harder to 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 put your finger on to me the the part of the reason this was uh controversial and i and i agree with what you're saying there um is that the first runner up who was three percentage points below i think gets both sides of this they were presented a lot more strongly and favorably but they also showed improvement in the ring on the mic as a character and that's julia hart in AEW. Mm. um and i think she's come a long way and certainly in her presentation in her in-ring abilities um and then also the company has gotten behind her in a different kind of way uh in 2023 and then obviously ending the year out as the the tbs champion and you know in some cases positioned a little more uh, I don't want to say more strongly, but maybe more prominently certain weeks than Tony Storm was because there, there has to be a little bit of mystique around that character. And that's 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 part of it. Um, I don't know. Do you think there's a, a strong case for Julia Hart that she should have been the winner of this award at set? Or do you think the readers got it right with LA Knight? I think the biggest mark against her getting it mm -hmm. is um, just 
you know, AEW has that reputation for not getting behind the women as strongly as they could and should. And so maybe the problem with that then is in a situation where they actually did, or at least in in the best way that we've seen them do, and Tony Storm's another example of that, but I feel like there's so much negative momentum in the way the women's division has been handled that maybe it didn't make as much of an impact as it could have. And, and when you have an LA Knight situation where WWE has a rocket on his back and he's main eventing against Roman Reigns. I mean, that makes an impression in people's minds. You're main eventing a major event against the top star in the business. That goes a long way, and I think that's probably what put him over the top. Yeah, that's a good point. It is kind of what sits in people's memories. And along those same lines, you have Trick Williams as the second runner-up, albeit a slightly distant second runner-up at 9% of the vote. You know, I, th I think certainly got... Uh, better in the ring this year and was positioned higher, you know, on the card. And, and of course, like the, the interesting um, things they've been doing with him and Carmelo Hayes and their, their changing relationship. And then third runner up is, uh, I'm sorry, Brian, did you have a, no, 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 no. Okay. Yeah. So the, the third runner up uh, is Sonata uh, in new Japan, who's one of the few representations of, uh, of that company in, you know, anywhere in this voting, I think maybe the only official runner up spot, um, I don't know. I, I think Sonata, uh, he certainly had some great matches this year and he, it's his first run as a world heavyweight champ. Right. Um, but you know, 4% of the vote. So he slightly ekes out some of the, uh, the honorable mentions, but I think, you know, I, I saw him as worthy of being in that conversation just by virtue of the fact that, you know, it felt like new Japan was kind of rolling the dice a little bit more and putting sure. that title on somebody who wasn't one of the, the usual suspects of the last, you know, X amount of years in that company. So I think that's what made an impression on people there. Uh, and, and in fact, I think if it had been a company that was even more high profile, um, I think you would have seen him even potentially winning an award like that, because in a way it's like, he was almost like the new Japan equivalent of an LA night. You, you know what I mean? True. Like they're taking a chance on somebody new in a big way. So I think, you know, I, I think I, I totally understand why he would have been in that running for sure. All right. Makes sense. Um, we still have to Rookie. talk about what, yeah, yeah. The last one voted by fans. Uh, and that's Saul Ruka from NXT. Uh, of course, we talked about in previous years how WWE um, has changed this category in a little bit in that you're ha you're seeing more actual rookies who are right. being presented on television. Um and, you know, interestingly, this went to hook last year in AEW and Jade Cargill the, the year before. So it's been WWE. The last time they picked this up was was uh, Tom and Nick Mysterio's <laughs> rookie year. But getting it again this year and and the first two, top two spots, uh, but the, the top spot going to Sal Ruka, who's actually, you know, she'd been off TV for quite a while um, during most of the voting uh, due to injury. But she also made this strong impression in the ring, very like athletic great aerial wrestler uh strong personality and uh first runner up is ava rain who at certain points was a little bit closer to her but i think as we got further and further away from whatever she was doing with the schism <laughs> it uh it, you want to talk about a baffling choice i think sometimes people just will get a vote in there just because they're rookies i, I don't yeah you know what i mean that was uh, to me, nothing special at all. I, I don't mean to be mean or anything, but like she's the definition of somebody that shouldn't be on TV that really should be 
is not benefiting from the setup currently of where an entire wrestler's entire career from day one is documented on national television. Uh, you know, it never sure. was that way. And, and I think that it hurts somebody like her. Yeah, it is. Uh, it, it was an interesting choice. I think, uh, certainly there's a lot of attention on her at first and I think she can develop to be, you know, it's, it, she's got a strong family lineage of, of people who've done very well in the industry and she can, she can get there, but Maybe a, a little bit of, uh, you know, uh, holding holding back on showing your hand would would come a long way there. I mean, you, you even look at someone. I mentioned Jade Cargill. She hasn't wrestled on television in WWE yet, and she's someone who actually has a history. She has you know fifty some matches, and she's she has experience. But they want her to look as best as she she can, and I think there's probably a lesson to be learned in there. This is um, a, this. No, I was just going to say, this is an award, like you said, that's changed a lot over the years. Because I remember, and I know you do too, that this was a this was a difficult award in years past. Because in wrestling, true rookies, you never really saw them. They were invisible. They, they weren't going to put somebody in a yeah. position where they were really in front of a lot of fans on TV until they were pretty seasoned. And they'd usually be years into their career. And so even with the Rookie of the Year it would always be a little bit kind of uh, bending of the rules where you'd have somebody who'd been wrestling for a few years, but for all intents and I think it was like you, you had yeah. to be what less than two years in or something like that. And I don't even know if that rule was always hard and fast, but it was because it was so difficult. Like if you're going to go by a true rookie in a lot yeah. of cases, it would be honestly, and it would be a bunch of jobbers. Like it would be almost impossible to pick but the business is different now where because of developmental and because of nxt being on national tv and also on the aew side you've got a lot of opportunities to put people on tv that are very very new and even in in, in indies being uh, streamed online and things like that you've got brand new wrestlers that are in front of way more people than they ever used to be so in that way i guess it's a it's a positive because it feels like a true rookie of the year award now more than ever yeah, yeah, it's and actually you you set that up perfectly because the second runner up, I believe this is the first time we've seen anyone from Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling, uh TJPW part of the the Cyberfight collective with uh Pro Wrestling Noah and DDT in Japan. Um Toga, who's one of their rookies, got 10% of the vote second runner up spot and uh she's not someone who'd be familiar to most uh you know mainstream American fans, but by virtue of her debuting again in front of big crowds with tjpw a lot of times in the opening match slot so if someone puts on wrestle universe to oh tjpw is on at 10 o'clock eastern i'll watch a little bit until i'm too tired to watch anymore they would see her matches so i think she benefits from that i think she also benefits from really anyone on the short list i think our readers are going to go through and either read about them or watch some of their matches so she benefits just you know everybody on here was shortlisted nobody was a complete surprise uh, that you know, we we got a scattered votes for people who were not included on our, our short list, but she's uh, she's second place. I'm a, I'm actually a little bit surprised that we didn't see uh, Yuma Anzai from All Japan, who was actually main eventing matches. If we're going to have a wrestler from Japan in this slot, that it wasn't him. But again, maybe a testament to it's a little bit easier to act some of these TJPW shows here than All Japan, which is a, yeah. a you know a strange sentence to say, but it's 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 true. Um, and then in the third spot, we do have a true rookie independent wrestler in Gabby Forza, who's been you know, primarily <clears throat> wrestling open, which is a production of Beyond Wrestling, streams on IWTV. Um, she's been working really hard and has a popular uh, 
like she's she's got a strong fan base and a, a popular personality on the north Appendant, northeast independent uh, circuit. Do you think there's anybody we've missed in here? I mean, there there are a couple of, like NXT names who have been pushed a little bit later in the year. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot with NXT. NXT has been a game changer. There's been because yeah. they they even have level up and like because yeah. there's another there's another level even like below NXT where you're getting to see people. I don't even know. I mean, I'm sure there are worthy people that didn't that didn't place in this voting just because of of how wwe and nxt has changed the game for rookies in wrestling for better or worse like like we were saying there's some people who are really being pushed into the deep end of the pool and it's crazy having to carry a show on a national cable network where ratings are important uh, that is man that's a lot to ask for some of these young people yeah, yeah. I, I will mention in the rounding out the honorable mentions was uh, Danny Palmer, also from NXT. So again, uh, someone who is uh, you know working hard and, and learning. I mean, in front of a massive audience. Um, and then, true to a lesser extent, but Tiara James, who's been a, a fixture of MLW, also a rookie. MLW still on cable. It's not. It's not the uh, huge uh, visible presence that NXT is. But <clears throat> again, someone who's just being asked to this growing women's division being asked to do her share in it. The other side of the coin, we have this rookie of the year category. We go all the way to the opposite end of one's career and it's the Stanley Weston award. So sting, you know, I think this is a place where technically has been, excuse me, has been an active wrestler. uh, And we generally don't give this award to active wrestlers, but given that he is ostensibly wrapping up his career in March and that he, I I don't expect he's going to come back for additional victory laps. I think once he's done, he's done. Yeah, um, made a lot of. It's like sixty-five years old, I believe, right? Yeah. Somewhere around that yeah. range. I wrote, in fact, I wrote my my in my column for the the upcoming issue, where I I wrote kind of like a, a look at his final years, his AEW years. I I researched it and I took note of the fact that when he debuted for AEW in twenty twenty one, he was literally two weeks away from becoming eligible for Social Security. That is a fact. <laughs> That is a fact. I mean, if he wanted to collect early at 62, which is your right to do uh, at a lower rate of payment, but he could have. Uh, I think that that's incredible. And and no, but I totally understand an award for a quote unquote active wrestler in a situation like this in the sense that, you know, by he's not going to be active for very much longer. And we know that. And he certainly had a career that deserves it and also let's not forget the AEW thing has made us forget you know he has not been wrestling non-stop since 1985 he in 2015 after the seth rollins incident and after in my opinion at least wwe totally botched what should have been his swan song in wrestling um he was gone for five or six years he was he was considered uh you know rode off into the sunset legend out of the business and then he got this true icing on the cake from AEW. So I have no problem at all with him getting an award like this at this yeah. point. And and certainly the resume, you know, just many times world champion. He had, uh, you know, both in the NWA and WCW and then in, in TNA on um, just highly, highly influential throughout the run of, of WCW. He was really their most reliable, most popular baby face, never wavered from that. Um, you know, even as other stars, uh, you know, you had someone like a Bill Goldberg, you, ha- you still had Sting 
at someone they could come back to once Goldberg's run was was you know fizzling out. Um, and through the, the NWO, through everything else, you had somebody who uh, was just the face that so many people still associate. Like if you ask someone to think of like who do you picture when you say WCW, it's yes, it's, it's Sting. So yeah, well deserved. Certainly. Yeah, and, and and definitely in the in the Turner era, they wanted it that way. I mean, he they called him the franchise for a reason. Yep, he was the face of that brand. And you know, if I could give a little uh, footnote for the people that care about things like this, like me, he is the only person to ever be NWA, WCW, and TNA World Champion. He's the only person to hold those three world titles and which is cool among many other things that he's done oh kev you've totally froze up on me you there kevin uh-oh i'm not seeing or hearing you hey sorry brian my my uh, internet dropped out Oh, there we go. Sorry, my, are we good? I see yeah, you. Sorry, internet, internet dropping out. So I'll just, I'll just edit that okay. back in. Sure. No. Yeah, uh, yeah. Did you? You got? Uh, can you I, I left off. Yeah. I think you're lagging a little bit. Okay. One sec. Yeah, I had it just mentioned little... the three world titles mm -hmm. thing. Okay, so I'll sell that and we'll just come back in. Okay. All right. Okay, sorry about that, Brian. All right. Um, yeah, that's an astounding feat to be the only person in that position. Um, and of course, I mean, the NWA uh, world title lineage figuring heavily in all three of those. Um, and then the other Stanley Western, Western Award recipient is Nancy Benoit, uh, which is a posthumous award, of course. Uh, and this was something, you know, there, there, there had been a push for more of these accolades, uh, like particularly there was, there's a Nancy Benoit tribute Instagram account that has been fighting too hard to fight for, uh, to reclaim the legacy sort of that uh, Nancy Benoit had, you know, under her real name as woman, of course, as an angel prior to that, uh, just a, an incredibly uh, important figure in wrestling history and that she was a woman out there asserting herself being a badass in a time when you didn't see that so much um, and was a very influential manager in that regard. A lot of people, you know, ended up uh, getting into the industry because they saw her and women like her doing uh, what they did. And I think, uh, you know, we discussed this as a group and it was something like uh, a situation where, Okay, first of all, we want to make sure we have the blessing of the the family, and we and we did. We we spoke with their sister Sandra, um, who doesn't really give a lot of interviews, doesn't you know talk to press very often because it's just a concern that there can it can always devolve into discussion of the tragic way that Nancy's life ended. Right. Um, but I think certainly a career worthy of recognition, and this felt like a good time to do it. Uh, you know, forty years out from when she debuted in Florida Championship Wrestling. Yeah. Without doubt. And I, first of all, I think it's great the past few years that we're doing two Weston Awards only because, as you know, and this is one of the reasons you did it, too, is there's so many worthy people that it, it just feels like there's there really are people that deserve these. And if you look back at all the years that we've been doing, two, you can see there's not a single person in there where you can go, oh, well, they sort of like squeeze that. That person didn't really 
deserve sure. to get that. And so like, this is a great example of that because it's a reappraisal, right? I mean, Nancy, unfortunately has been gone for a long time, um, you know, 15, 16 years now. And so to, to be able to come back and reappraise and say, this is somebody who deserved this probably a long time ago, and we're going to correct that. It's a good thing because it also sets a good example that there could be others like that too, who just when you think that they're totally out of the conversation and there's someone who's not, you know, relevant to fans in the present day, you think, well, no, actually anybody is open to reappraisal if they're worthy of an award like this. So I think it's an absolutely great precedent to set. Yeah, that, that was my thought as well. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm grateful to uh, her sister, Sandra, for speaking to us um, and, you know, giving the blessing because last thing we want to do is be exploitative in this sense. We want to truly honor people who deserve it. Um, so that's the, that's the PWI awards and that's all, you know, included in the latest issue that's coming out on newsstands, uh, February 6th, I believe it is. Um, but you know, it's going to be hitting subscriber mailboxes has already begun to, and, uh, the presale copies will be going out shortly as well. So PWI-online.com as always for that. Should we talk a little bit? I know uh, you have to get going soon as well, but should we talk a little bit about hard to kill? Yeah, we can. Sure. Yeah. Sure. What did you think of the show overall? I thought it was I thought it was a really good show. Uh, and I thought it's also a great it was a great moment for them to build their rebranding around because it was a show that had a lot of attention around it. It was also a show where there was a lot going on in wrestling on that night. I mean, that was a big night. There was it was the night that Jack Perry showed up, you know, at, at the New Japan show in California. And there, there was a lot happening. And so it felt like they were in the mix there, you had the former Dolph Ziggler, Nick Nemeth appearing, you had a world title change, you had a, a rebranding, and I'm starting to see now, and I almost feel funny saying this because I feel like I'm maybe this is something I should have seen all along, or maybe I'm completely off base. I was thinking there for a while, like, why are they doing all this? Why now? Why is Impact rebranding? Why are they going back to a name that maybe some people thought was not that they got rid of for a reason, you know, that kind of thing. Like what's going on here. There's a lot of moving and shaking going on. And I really believe whether this is realistic or not, I think their best case scenario, the hope that they might have is perceiving the issues happening in all elite wrestling, whether this is a realistic goal or not, they may be trying to assert themselves as the number two promotion again in American pro wrestling. Whether or not, like I said, that's a realistic goal when you're up against a company that no matter what their status is, they have limitless capital. I really do think that that's what they're aspiring to do here. And that's a very worthy goal, whether it's achievable or not. Yeah, I think that is what they have to aim for. Um, you know, settling for number three is not really doing them any favors. And that's sort of what they were doing. I don't want to say they were settling, but they were they were kind of comfortable in that role for a while. And they were content with like, we have our audience and we're doing well and we're going to maximize that audience. But I really think they're trying to grow that audience, reclaim some of the past audience that they had lost from years ago, which is, you know, always a tricky proposition, whether that's a, a television brand like Impact TNA or even, you know, a magazine like ours. It's, you know, you don't want to desperately chase people who may never be interested again but at the same time when you're offering something that's uh you know spiritually similar to what you've done in the past uh you'd be foolish not to try to re-engage those people and there are a lot of ex-tna fans i mean that was a, a program that was getting a million plus viewers 
granted at a period when more people had cable TV. Um, but there are different ways to watch it now. You can you can subscribe and watch it on YouTube. You have the, the TNA Plus service. Um, it definitely seemed like they were trying to put their feet forward and appear as that company. I mean, you have um, a situation where their top two championships changed hands in the world title and the knockouts world title. Um, you know, and part of that, again, Trinity is probably wrapping up her commitments with or has wrapped up her commitments with TNA, um, probably headed back to WWE. But also you have Jordan Grace has signed a new contract. She's a strong uh, front runner for that division on the men's side of the equation. Um, I liked Alex Shelley in that spot. I understand why Moose is in the, the position. He's always going to be controversial under uh, amongst certain fans. Because, I mean, he has he has a history of uh, like there was there were uh, charges against him way back, uh, domestic assault allegations. You know, certainly never convicted of anything, but that's always going to certain fans are going to look at him in a, in a certain light because of that, and it, it's hard to it's hard to blame them. On the other hand, he is this just incredible athlete. He's continued to get better in the ring. You know, big guy, believably can beat anybody in a match. Um, so you understand from that perspective why they want him in that spot. Um, so I think regardless, you have him, you have Jordan Grace, um, and you have two uh, believable heads of the, these divisions kind of going into this new era. Uh, apart from Hard to Kill itself, you had on the TV tapings, they had both Okada and Osprey working matches. Right. Um, you know, but the show itself, I, I thought was good. I thought, you know, the, the, the main event was good. I thought the knockouts match, you know, uh, uh, a few people have suggested this. I think, uh, Jason McVeigh says as much in his coverage of the, the show in the next issue, maybe Trinity's best match in her whole, maybe not even just her run, but maybe her whole career so far. Um, you know, you had a strong, uh, multi-team tag title match, which I thought was very good. You know, the ABC is a very strong, uh, set of tag team champions. Um, you know, you had you had all the titles on the line. You had the uh, knockouts tag title change hands. The decay won that, and then you had uh, the digital media ch- media title uh, change hands. Tommy Dreamer lost that to Crazy Steve on the pre-show. So I, I think it's a big newsworthy show out of uh, what you said was uh, uh, already a very busy night for wrestling. On top of the uh, New Japan show, you had uh, Collision as well. So it was really right. and Battle story. of the Belts. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, but I think, you know, when you look back, this is maybe the, the most newsworthy of them all. Um, and just a lot of great matches, you know, some nonsense and shenanigans. I mean, you had the, the, the match that was ostensibly a singles match between PCO and, uh, dirty Dango quickly turned into a six man tag. that was only less, slightly less shenanigan based. <laughs> so, you know, TNA will TNA. Well, that's the other part of TNA that maybe people don't want to talk about. If you're really going back to being TNA, um, that was part of the product. There was also the crazy, I don't know if this has been completely debunked or not, but there was a crazy rumor going around that there were some WWE people backstage at Hard to Kill and potentially even Paul Levesque himself, which I find to be hard to, but then they were also saying potentially Punk, which I think is much more believable. But and then there, there's been rumblings over the fact that now TNA is being carried by a branch of Endeavor on some streaming platforms, mm-hmm. which yeah. has led people to think like, is there maybe some behind the scenes cooperation going on now between the two companies? And certainly, WWE would have an interest in helping another company become the number two company. Uh, this could be a similar thing to 
what was going on with WWF and ECW many years ago that a lot of people didn't really know at the time was happening, you know? Yeah. And I I think that it makes a lot of sense for WWE and, and, and by the way, just adding fuel to those rumors, the, uh, premium live event terminology has been adopted yes and they're not the only company that's done this i believe mlw has and uh maybe some uh i'm forgetting somebody else but it's an interesting thing that adds fuel to these rumors i do think some wrestlers if not backstage were in the area or watching the show because you had some photos that had not surfaced previously of you know some some uh friends of trinity's and but the Paul Levesque thing, I had not not heard him being backstage. But I mean, hey, who there's I I I don't discount anything anymore. You have CM Punk back in WWE. It's a very different era. Like we are really people yeah. always used to wonder what is a post Vince era going to look like. We're really yeah. seeing it now. I mean, there are some changes in the way they do business. There are certain things that I don't think you can dismiss out of hand and say a WWE would never do that. I think that whole sentence is out the window now. Like we don't know yeah. what they're going to do because you, you get new blood in there. You get these top executives like Endeavor and TKO people. These are not wrestling people and they're going to sit there and they're going to go, why the hell wouldn't we do a show against AEW? Like that would be huge and do great business. And the wrestling people in the room are going to be like, are you out of your damn mind? Like there's no <laughs> way, but, but, and then the other people are going to go, well, why not? What's your counter argument? So I think we're in that era where, you never know what the hell could happen, you know? I mean, I really believe that. It's it's interesting. So I think there's a benefit, first of all, in aligning the company with TNA in that for years now, TNA has been a place, one, someone leaves WWE, they go there, they sort of reinvent themselves. And, and uh-huh. uh, you know, s- someone um, like, and obviously she ended up back in AEW, but Deanna Perazzo, uh, springs to mind, but, but like far from the only example, but you go back a further, a few years prior to that, you have, uh, you know, uh, a Drew McIntyre, Drew Galloway came back and was a main event level talent, which he was not in WWE, but he, he grew into that because he was able to go on and work on himself. And then you have this current setup with TNA where, you know, most of the people, uh, who are under contract are at least able to work some other dates with company approval. Many of them are really only contracted for, you know, they have certain restrictions, like they can't go wrestle on AEW or whatever, but otherwise they can go out and do whatever they want. So this leads to a lot of independent and international talent cycling in. I mean, you're, you're a fool if you don't think the WWE is keeping a close eye on that, you know? And I think even specifically Paul Levesque, he's, you know, he's somebody who, I mean, he's, he's one of the biggest wrestling nerds out there. Like he, he's absolutely, you think like WWE doesn't have its eye on, I don't know, say Okada. You really think that he's not watching Wrestle Kingdom? You know, or at least certain matches from Wrestle Kingdom. Right. I mean, like, look what he did with NXT when it was firmly exactly. his product. He turned it into WWE's Ring of Honor before AEW got the real Ring of Honor and made it their Ring of Honor. I mean, that's what he did. So why not do the same thing with TNA? Uh, and then you look at other stuff. I mean, you have Charlie Dempsey, um, who, you know, William Regal's son, who went and wrestled, challenged for the Triple Crown title in all yeah. Japan. You know, yep. wasn't on their big show. Is it? Is the show a few days or, after that? Well, what about Nakamura getting to go and wrestle Muda on Muda's retirement Last year. tour? Like yeah. those are things that Vince would have never allowed to happen. You know, at least not the, at this stage. Yeah, once I, upon a time he would have. Like, like the Vince of, of the eighties uh, and nineties. Yes, with a little more collaboration. But yeah, they would do those Japan co-promoted shows yeah. and things. And you know, uh, there's that famous shot that makes the rounds of 
of Vince and Gorilla with Jushin Liger, which is so like surreal. If you've ever right. seen that picture where he's like waving him to go to the ring and you're like, what am I looking at right now? But but yeah, he he stopped doing that stuff a long time ago. Yeah, he sure did. I mean, the closest thing was in the 90s when you would have people come on WWE TV and well, WWF TV, and you would have you know Smoky Mountain Wrestling being brought in by Jim Right. Or were. the their triple A partnership that, that went on for a yes. while. Yes. Or youngster Carly Cologne, uh, Carlos Cologne. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Definitely a rib on Gorilla's rib on his former business partner, no question in my mind. Yes. Um, but you have you know a new era now where anything can happen um by the way the all japan move is really that's in 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 some circles that's gotten a lot of people fired up because you had this recent alliance that was formed between the big promotions in in japan to sort of like protect the industry there make sure that it always you know there's collaboration between the different promotions which is is especially now it's more of an open thing there um but also uh just making sure that the business could remain strong that nobody was trying to run each other out or, or do things that were like in the spirit uh, uh, against the spirit of a thriving nationwide industry. Um, suffice it to say, then you have all Japan going and doing this with WWE. And then people are like, well, what is this? Is this like, is this going to lead to what happened with progress years ago and, and NXT UK. And then that kind of like came and all this talent got sucked up. So there's a lot of suspicion. I think some of it's a little bit alarmist, frankly, but it is uh you know, it it does because WWE as a company has a history of like uh, when they're collaborating, they're really coming in to kind of yes. just scoop everybody up. So, um, you know, I think anybody who has a partnership with them should should at least remember history. But it doesn't mean that there can't be a more collaborative spirit in the present, because I think, you know, again, Paul of us does business a little bit differently than his father in law. Definitely. And I also think even the way the company views Japanese wrestling is very different. Like yep. we saw again, like with the Nakamura Muda thing, I think when you're talking about a country like that, that has its own wrestling culture, where quite frankly, WWE doesn't have anywhere near the foothold that it has. And WWE is definitely uh, on a lower level than, than, than uh, I don't know about all Japan, but definitely new Japan yep. that uh, it's just that they don't really see them as a threat. I don't think they're looking to take over Japan. I mean, I could put my foot in my mouth here. But it's more like a safer relationship where it's like, what have we got to lose? We're not, you know, we're, you know, it's Japan. We don't really like let them go there and work. You know, it only benefits us. Like, I think that might be part of the view of it's not really a threat and it's not a market that they're looking to take over. So it's a much more potentially harmonious relationship. But it is a market where they can grow and they're going to be airing on a. Yes. Bima TV. So it's, yeah, there, there are benefits to that for both parties potentially. And then also you can exchange talent. You can have people come work over here. You know, the right. excursion has always been a very big part of uh, the way Japanese pro wrestling operates. It's people going and learning different styles elsewhere, um, growing as a performer, performing in front of different crowds, and then getting different perspectives on things. Because I mean, at the end of the day, that's what wrestling is. It's, it's this global sport uh, slash performance. And it, it, it's so much richer and better when you have these uh, opportunities for people to experience different iterations of it, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. All right. We've been going a while, Brian. Uh, do you have anything you would like to plug before we uh, part ways here? Well, I have my podcast, Shut Up and Wrestle, which has, is going along strongly. We just had our 100th episode and we're well into 
with uh, well, fut- with with future uh, Kazuchika Okada manager Jim yeah. Cornette. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the future, right, Matt? We don't want to start any crazy rumors here. No, but but we're still actually uh, Kristen. Kristen Ashley from our own staff is a guest who's coming up. I'm not sure when this is going to, when this episode is going to air. Uh, it already may, may be out by then, but I don't think so. Uh, but I've always got great interviews lined up on that show. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. And my book, my new book, um, Irresistible Force, my Gorilla Monsoon biography is just cooking along. I'm in chapter five now and just... As much time as my family allows me, I'm working on this book, and I promise <laughs> to do my best to get it out, hopefully by the end of the year, if not by uh, the start of next year. So, Awesome. All right. Well, the, I, I, you will. it looks like you'll beat the third season of Yellow Jackets, so, uh, which I was disappointed to hear. The Showtime <laughs> show is not coming back anytime soon. Um, very excited, of course. Brian, you've done a lot of great work in the, the biographical space. Um, yeah, I think maybe we've, we're going to have another, uh, wrestling observer book of the year on our hands, but we'll, we'll wait and see. Yeah. I keep an eye on that. I'm like, what book's coming out this year? What book? <laughs> uh, I, uh, maybe, yeah, hold the book, hold the book off. Can right? we wait? Can we wait till next year? Cause last year I know like the Ric Flair, the new Ric Flair book came out from Tim Hornbaker. So I was like, it's a good thing. My book didn't come out. This oh, year. sure. Yeah. And I know like, yeah, you never know, but, but you know, whatever. I'm happy to be nominated as they say. All right. Great. All right. Well, thanks everyone for watching. We'll be back soon with another episode uh, with Al capably back in the co-hosting chair with Brian. And I, th- I think you all will be free of me next time. So if you're, <laughs> you're always welcome. Leave. Kevin, always <laughs> welcome. Here. It's good to have a, a different voices, you know? Thank you, Brian. It's been great.